Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow & Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM. Farm Talk with John O'Connor with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Hello and welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. On the programme, we continue our weekly look at the world of agriculture and food. Farmers have moved to ban dog walkers from their lands this week because of the increase in attacks on livestock. The Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine has announced new agri-food tourism initiatives. And we hear more about farm diversification in Cork. Tagusk is running a series of webinars on crop agronomy. And we also hear how winter crops are doing at this time of the year. We discuss calf milk replacement for the calving season. Farm Talk's John O'Connor will also look at stories making the agri-news this week. Total agri-food exports from Ireland last year were €14.3 billion, only marginally down on 2019, despite the pandemic situation and Brexit. As a nation, however, we are still importing, as believed, too many food items which could be grown and produced successfully here in Ireland. And import substitution was amongst the subjects on the agenda when Minister for Agriculture, Mr McConnell Logue, held a virtual discussion session with Minister of State Martin Hayden and Mr Dan McCarthy, Borbia Chair, and Ms Tara McCarthy, Borbia CEO, on 10th of February. Referring to the 2020 total Irish agri exports of €14.3 billion, Euro, made up of exports to 180 countries, Minister McConnell confirmed this sector was our largest indigenous pillar of the Irish economy and its ongoing balanced economic development was critical. The virtual meeting on Wednesday, 10th of February, between the ministers and top-ranking Borbia personnel was the first of four meetings planned for 2021 to examine plans for new market development priorities for Irish food and drink in conjunction with generating import substitution, considering challenges posed by COVID-19 and Brexit. Minister McConnell said he was delighted that Mr Dan McCarthy had agreed to stay on for a second term as chair of Borbia, having first been appointed to this role in the year 2018. Mr McSweeney brings a huge depth of experience and enthusiasm to the role of Borbia chair, and those qualities are more important than ever in leading the Borbia board in the current online format, Minister McConnell emphasised. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. It emerged during the week that farmers are banning dog walkers from their lands because of the increasing number of attacks on livestock. Irish Farmers Association says farmers whose livestock are being attacked are putting up no dogs allowed posters. 
It's due to a significant increase in attacks on sheep in recent months when dogs are off their leash. IFA President Tim Cullinan says it's a particular problem during lambing season. We've seen devastating scenes over the last number of weeks and you know, farmers have said now enough is enough. They're going to take this into their own hands and um, no dogs will be allowed onto any farmland where there's any livestock. And particularly with, you know, with sheep lambing, there has been a lot of incidents where dogs are attacking sheep. I suppose it's a twofold problem. One, where people are out themselves with the dogs, walking in the countryside, and the dogs are not under control. But also then we have another problem where dogs are allowed to roam the countryside on their own. And when dogs get together, they will just attack, particularly sheep and particularly around lambing time, and young lambs are very vulnerable. IFA National Sheep Chair Sean Dennehy said the incident around a rescued dog in County Wicklow is an example of why farmers have banned walkers with dogs from their lands. He says the authorities' failure to put appropriate sanctions in place to deal with irresponsible and reckless behaviour of some dog owners means it's the only way to protect yos that will be lambing in the coming weeks to stop the threat at source. All dogs are required to be microchipped and have a licence, but the requirement isn't enforced, although farmers must register and record every animal on farms on a national database. IFA's repeatedly asked government to put serious resources into microchipping and an adequate dog warden service, but it hasn't happened. ICSA Sheep Chair Sean McNamara is calling for tougher penalties for dog owners who fail to control their pets around livestock. He says fines of €100 Euro are doing nothing to deter incidents of sheep worrying, which happens year after year. He said all of these incidents are preventable, but the message isn't getting through and tougher penalties are now more than justified. Cork County Council has joined the Department of Rural and Community Development and the farming organisations in highlighting the responsibilities of dog owners and the vulnerability of sheep to dog attacks, particularly during the lambing season. Council is reminding all dog owners to be particularly vigilant and request that care is taken to ensure dogs are always under control. If a case of livestock worrying occurs, the matter should be brought to the attention of the Dog Warden Service of Cork County Council. A report on the first phase of the Grass 10 programme was published last month and reported on here on Farm Talk. The Grass 10 programme began in 2017 with the aim of encouraging and supporting farmers to increase grass utilisation to 10 tonnes of dry matter per hectare per annum and to achieve 10 grazings per paddock each year. The Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnellogue, took the opportunity to speak on the success of the Grass 10 programme in his contribution to the recent Irish Grassland Farmer of the Year Awards 2020. I'm pleased to see the pasture-based Ireland grass growth curve has shown that grass growth for 2020 was in line with that of 2019, which was considered a very good year for grass growth. It will have given farmers the opportunity to replenish much-needed stocks of fodder. In 2017, the Grass 10 campaign was launched. Since then, it has seen the number of farmers using pasture-based Ireland increase from 2,393 to 3,664 in 2020. And those farmers participating in the Grass 10 courses have improved grassland management skills and increased dry matter yields on their own farms, which is both profitable and sustainable. There has been a significant increase in soil fertility over the four years of the programme, with P and K and soil pH levels improving. 
This increase in competitiveness is estimated by Chuggers to benefit dairy farmers by €173 Euro a hectare for each additional tonne of grass dry matter utilised and €105 Euro a hectare for dry stock farmers. A substantial challenge still exists in balancing all the aspects of agricultural sustainability, including the requirement to provide quality food and to ensure farmers' incomes, as well as to address the environmental challenges of climate and biodiversity. As part of our acclimatised roadmap, chemical fertiliser usage on Irish farms needs to reduce. As a result, farmers will need to optimise nutrient management planning to make better use of chemical and organic nutrients with significant improvement in our use of slurry. In practice, this will mean making use of low emission slurry spreading technology, an expanded programme of liming to improve nutrient use efficiency, and including clover and other mixed species in pasture reseeds. It is clear that initiatives such as the Grass 10 and PBI are to the fore in helping farmers achieve the most they can from the natural resource they have on their farm, which is grass. I consider good grassland management to be essential in delivering our targets set down in the acclimatised roadmap. Indeed, our own department variety trials on grass and white clover have shown that comparable dry matter yields can be achieved from clover swards at relatively low chemical nitrogen inputs. Clover will now have to be brought more central to our grassland systems. This will be a challenge, but it is one we are well equipped to rise to. And the full Grass 10 report 2017-2020 can be viewed at tagusk.ie. Subject to EU Commission approval, the Minister of State of the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Senator Pippa Hackett, has announced that the organic farming scheme will reopen to new entrants in the first week of March. This reopening, subject to EU Commission approval, is expected to result in an increase of up to 30% in the number of farmers farming organically in Ireland this year. Announcing the conditional opening of the scheme, Ms Hackett said she was delighted to be in a position to support the growing number of farmers in Ireland who want to farm organically. She pointed out organic farming embraces nature and natural processes to produce organic food, for which there's a growing demand both here in Ireland and across the European Union. And, as she said, the reopening of the scheme, with the extra funding and scope for so many more farmers to join, demonstrated her department's commitment to helping farmers cater for that organic demand. Referring further to the extra numbers who will be catered for, the Minister added that she expected 400 to 500 new farmers to be able to join the organic scheme. That, she pointed out, represents a significant added investment in organic farming, which we can make because of the additional €4 million secured in this year's budget. It will also help us meet the targets set out in the Programme for Government to align Ireland's organic land area with that of the current EU average over the lifetime of this government. Mr Hackett said the organic farming scheme is an agri-environmental measure under the Department's Rural Development Programme. Farmers entering the scheme could qualify for yearly payments of up to €220 per hectare during the conversion period and up to €170 per hectare when they have achieved full organic status. Higher payment rates are available for organic horticulture and tillage farmers. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. A new raft of agri-food tourism initiatives have been announced by the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. In the current circumstances with covid It would appear that for the immediate future, people are thinking in terms of staycations because of the restrictions on overseas holidays. In line with this trend, the department is promoting agri-food tourism.
John O'Connor joins me to explain the scheme in more detail. So, John, what incentives are being offered to encourage this type of tourism? And what exactly is agri-food tourism? Well, Barry, by definition, agri-food tourism is broadly the offering of an activity or activities in rural areas for people to visit and enjoy. It could include people visiting areas of well-known agricultural produce and also to sample and taste the local or regional cuisine or specialities. This could presumably involve staying overnight or longer in an area which proved to be particularly interesting in terms of local food specialities. Certainly it could indeed involve staying on a farm or touring food trails and festivals and events participation in agricultural endeavours or buying fresh food direct from a farm or market. And linked to that, I understand agri-food tourism could also encompass local farmer and artisan market schemes, which paired with local and seasonal food producers and artisan crafts. Yes, indeed. And the locations could be coastal, mountain or any of the many picturesque settings where smaller family farming enterprises would appreciate selling their produce or providing accommodation to visitors. So, John, how is the Department of Agriculture encouraging agri-food tourism initiatives? What type of financial inducements are being offered to help farmers or artisan food producers present their offering to best advantage? The total funding available for agri-food tourism initiatives under the Rural Innovation and Development Fund is €275,000. This is for projects supporting agri-food tourism initiatives and the maximum amount available payable for any one project would be €25,000. And what about rural food markets? Would they qualify for the scheme with a view to expanding or better establishing their local food markets? Yes, indeed. Rural food markets would also qualify for the scheme. And how can listeners find out more about these agri-food tourism initiatives? Applications should be made via Call for Proposals application form, which is available at gov.ie lowercase hyphen call, capital C, for Proposals Agri-Food Tourism 2021. Or you may contact www.gov.ie and follow links onwards. And finally, John, is there a closing date for the submission of applications? The closing date for applications is 12 noon on 5th of March 2021. Thanks, John. And that brings us on to our topic on farm diversification, the establishment of a new enterprise on a farm. The term is usually used when considering a non-agricultural or a novel enterprise. Many farmers and rural dwellers are interested in diversifying their farm enterprise and there are countless possibilities. Chagas has produced a comprehensive body of information to help anyone interested in trying to identify a realistic option that suits them for generating additional household income. Tagus run a weekly webinar every Tuesday at 11am called Farm Business Options, which provides detailed case studies from diversification champions all over Ireland. Just before Christmas, a Farm Business Options webinar on farm diversification in Cork West was held. Anya O'Reardon and Seamus Lorden, Tiagas Cork West, facilitated this webinar with guest speakers Alan and Valerie Kingston of Glenillan Farm, David and Elizabeth Ross, Top of the Rock Pod Park and Walking Centre, and Johnny Lynch, McCroom Buffalo Farm. The panel discussed how they've diversified their family farms to generate additional income, ranging from food business to hospitality and tourism. And we thought it would be of great interest to hear from the contributors. So we're continuing this week with David Ross and the Top of the Rock Pod Park in Drimaleague. 
and he explained on the Tagus CoreQuest webinar how the idea came about. We opened up in 2013 and uh, since then there hasn't a month passed uh, that someone wouldn't either ring or come uh, or visit or stay the night and they would their, their story would be we would like to set up a glamping centre or whatever in our farm, you know. So I suppose we're well used to um, trying to help people to kind of uh, get their heads around what it would take to, to set up something like this. So therefore, the little presentation I put together uh, actually comes in the form of um, the questions that, that the, the questions that people would ask if they came here. And I'm putting uh, myself and my wife, Elizabeth, we're putting, we're actually kind of telling the story from the point of view of what we, how we would answer those questions um, seven years ago when we were starting, do you see? So uh, we're at the top of the rock, Pod Park, uh, uh, and Walking Centre, and we're in Germany, and that's our website there, topoftherock.ie. I suppose the first question we would ask ourselves is, um, where are you situated? What is your idea? Our idea was to reinvent an old farmyard to become a glamping and uh, walking accommodation centre. So the story of this place is that um, my grandfather, Sam Ross, came here. He didn't come from only a mile away, but he came here 100 years ago and he set up this little farm. And um, basically a lot of his little his little houseians, uh, we would say in West Cork, his little houses like the car house and the duck's house and the cow house and the stable. I remember what all those were like when I was small. And uh, we, we tried to reproduce the little farmyard that he had, if you understand what I'm trying to say. Uh, so in order to make it a, a glamping centre. So there, as was I'd say to you, what is your idea? This was the idea we started with, right? And it uh, certainly it has worked. Now, the next big question is where are you located? And uh, from from our point of view, we're in Drimaleague. The Sheep's Head is a lovely long peninsula here for walkers. And the Sheep's Head Way is a very famous walking uh, walking route all the way from the Sheep's Head to Bantry. But the eastern part of it comes on out here uh, to Drimaleague and then up to all the way to Gugan Barra, which is the way above here. We are very centrally located in the heart of West Cork. We're only half an hour, you could say, from Clannacilty, half an hour from Glengariff, uh, 20 minutes from Skibbereen and 12 minutes from Bantry. Where you're located is very important. And from our point of view, being an accommodation centre, the fact that we were so near to the lovely little village of League, it's a lovely little centre. And at the same time, there's only one hour from Cork. So where are you located? I suppose the next question you would ask if you were planning a venture, something like that, would be, who have you with you? I suppose the next question, what are your strengths, right? And... As was in our case, uh, our strengths, uh, if we had strengths, we, you could say were all the things that go to do with farming, animal husbandry. I was uh, farming suckler cows since 1986 on uh, a small farm of 48 acres. Uh, over the years, we we rented four other farms and built up the sucklers. And, uh, but it, there came a point where you couldn't keep going with sucklers on rented ground. And we said, look, we better come back and just focus on the 48 acres that we have and do something with it. So that was how that came about. What other strengths did we have? I suppose we had creativity, the ability to build stone walls, the ability to see potential in a place and to see how you could develop something into something beautiful. We're located in an absolutely beautiful place overlooking the Castle Donovan Hills. 
and we have a lovely river down at the bottom of the farm. You could ask the question, what makes your farm attractive for this? Right, well, as was, we had a story to build on. You have to build everything around the story, and the story of my grandfather. Farm features, lovely features in the farm. The fact that it was eco and sustainable, I was probably the 19th person in County Cork to go into Reps in 1996. And ever since, the farm has been a, a Reps uh, or Gloss or whatever it was, farm. And we have a walkway right around the farm uh, that was created with the, the under the walk scheme and people walk it all the time. And then there's a nice variety of farm animals. We keep lovely drumming, a few drumming cows. And then at the bottom of our farm, there's the Island River. And a lovely river it is, flowing all the way out to Skibbereen. And uh, under the walk scheme, um, we were able to develop a, a lovely bridge over it with the help of Sean O'Driscoll uh, of Glen Dimplex, and who came from Drum League. And so, wonderful uh, advantages like that. What do you think will avail of what you provide? In our case, it happens to be... Uh, families from Cork City and County, 70% of the people that come to this pod park are from Cork City and County. What motivates you to sacrifice so much to make this a reality? I suppose number one, people's enjoyment, uh, work satisfaction. Uh, you have something to leave to your family. It's There's community good attached to it. And also the fact that for us, we felt a sense of calling. We felt it was set before us to do, if you understand what I mean. And, and that made it very special. David Ross there of Top of the Rock Pod Park in League, And we'll conclude the topic on farm diversification by hearing from Alan Kingston of Glenillen Farm next week. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. End-of-year nitrogen and phosphorus statements, NNP statements, for January to December 2020 inclusive, cattle only, are now available on the Department of Agriculture online system at the following. 
www.agfood.ie, all lowercase. The department points out these figures will not have taken into consideration any documentation submitted to the department by 31st of December 2020. The department points out these statements are particularly useful to allow farmers to plan for the coming year and to ensure compliance with the limits of the European Union's nitrates regulations, thus avoiding penalties for breaches of the limits of 170 kgs of nitrogen per hectare or the limit for those who hold an approved derogation up to 250 kgs of nitrogen per hectare. Farmers who exceeded the limits or who came close to the limits in 2020 should engage with their advisor and consider applying for a derogation in 2021, which would allow application of livestock manure on a holding, including that deposited by the animals themselves, up to 250 kgs of nitrogen per hectare per year. The 2021 derogation application is currently open. The closing date is 31st of March 2021. Farmers participating in BEAM can also access their updated figures under exceptional aid measures on www.agfood.ie, all lowercase. Figures available are accurate up to 31st of December, and farmers can also see how much of their target nitrogen reduction figure to the 30th of June deadline remains. Letters detailing these figures will issue to all BEAM participants in coming days. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Tagus researchers, specialists and advisors are updating growers on crop agronomy in a series of webinars. They offer advice on nitrogen, P and K, weed control, PGR and disease control. The first event covered crops from across the country and Michael McCarthy of Tiagas King Cork gave an overview of the situation locally in relation to winter crops. The earlier sown crops are probably that bit more advanced than the later sown crops. I know down here... You know, the later it went into October, conditions were a bit heavier and harder going. So, you know, but for the most part, crops are, are, are looking well. Um, there's no hunger appearing yet in any crops, you know. Um, you know, we've seen over the years that when you hit February, you get the, the first yellows start coming. But I always tend to look at the, the overlaps of where you know where the drill would overlap and headlands near the first places you'll see for that kind of nitrogen deficiency to start coming up but it's not it's not showing yet and nor is there showing manganese um in fairness crops crops are looking good uh, can i just come to nitrogen timing um i I'd, I'd have a lot of farmers down here that would be you know very much promoters of the early nitrogen um but last year we had a wet february so there was very little opportunity to to get out with early nitrogen and a lot of nitrogen didn't go out on crops until March and it made no difference at all to the yields of barley we still some very very good yields of barley last year so that early nitrogen timing you know it, it, it brings out a great green in the crop in, in early March but that's that's about as much as it ever does in, in my book now unless you have a, an absolutely struggling crop that mm. you know you could have tiller debt or something like that. You know we we get it down here on the on the coastal areas where you have hard wind coming in off the sea that you could have tillers in trouble. Like that probably would be a scenario that where earlier earlier small bit of nitrogen would do uh, would have an effect. But okay. you know, to remember, the crop isn't going to take a lot of nitrogen early. Like so, Michael McCarthy there of Tagus Cork. And in our weekly advisory this week, we're talking about tillage and Chagas crop specialist Kieran Collins, who moderated the webinar this week, joins me. Kieran, there were good opportunities to plant crops last autumn. So has this resulted in an increase in area this year? 
And how have these crops come through the winter? Fortunately, really, you know, the, the second half of September and the first half of October, the weather was quite good. So there were good opportunities to plant crops. And, you know, as, as everybody knows, the previous autumn had been so poor. Um, you know, so, look, there is a big increase in the area this year. I suppose back to normal, really, rather than a big, well, there is a big increase, but kind of back to normal area, really. They've come through the winter very well, I suppose, in general. Because conditions were good at sowing time, establishment was good, you know. So, in general, I think most growers would be would be happy enough, and I think crops are well fit for, you know, for the season ahead and look to have good potential at the moment. Anyway, I know in the webinar you were dealing with the winter crops there, winter barley, and that they've been showing up fairly well from what I could gather from the response you were getting. They have, you know. Um, I suppose at this time of year, when you get into sort of the middle of February and you get the first bits of growth starting off, sometimes crops can start to go a little bit yellow, looking, you know, they're looking for nitrogen, and that hasn't happened yet. Growth is probably slow at the moment. Um, and it's supposed to question a lot of farmers were asking on the webinar the other day was about fertilizer, you know, when should I go? And I think we've solid research at this stage in Chalice to show that, you know, there is no disadvantage if that first application gets delayed even as far as mid-March, you know. So I think most farmers with, with winter crops will say, well, we're barely, like you mentioned there, say from the end of the month on is when you'd be you'd be looking at the first nitrogen there, really. And is there any bit of trepidation about the application of the fertiliser for the crops at this time of the year? What would the main concerns be? I suppose losses really would be the main concern. I suppose if you think of, of, of maybe grass growth and, and a crop is, is obviously the same, you know, where you have very slow growth uh, and you're putting out maybe large amounts of nitrogen, obviously utilisation there is going to be poor, the crop demand is low. So, you know, we'd always recommend that you need to wait until that growth sort of comes and then a spell, obviously, of, of good weather to, you know, so, so losses are reduced. The weather isn't exactly with us at the moment. Kieran. how would that affect things? No, yeah, like, I mean, it's certainly, and I think the forecast, you know, is, is, is for quite a bit of rain, um, you know. So, we, you know, we'd be advising people, obviously, in, in, in poor conditions. You won't be able to travel anywhere, but certainly, you know, to get a good dry spell in front of you before you think about doing it. And again, like I said, the research is kind of telling us anywhere. If that is delayed, um, you know, there's no great yield loss at the end of the day. The Department of Agriculture announced that there would be a straw incorporation scheme this year. So do we have any details on that scheme right now? Still scarce, I suppose, Barry, but what we know is obviously have announced that there will be a scheme there. There's a fund there of uh, €10 million. So it looks like the crops that will be covered will be uh, winter and spring wheat, winter and spring barley, winter and spring oats and rye. So your, your, your cereal crops there, essentially. Also, um, oilseed rate uh, will probably be included there, but possibly at a lower rate. So I suppose what they're looking at at the moment is a payment of in or around, and there's nothing confirmed here, of €250 a hectare for cereals, and maybe a reduced payment then for the oilseed rate if, if that's included. And I suppose it just involves, uh, back to the greenhouse gas emission thing again, it involves chopping that straw, which contains a lot of carbon, and incorporating that back into the soil, really. That's that's what the scheme is about. And what impact will the scheme have on the straw market, Kieran? It's very hard to know, but it's a question that a lot of people are asking, and I suppose livestock farmers, when you see a headline of, of straw chopping or straw incorporation, maybe people would, would get worried. 
I don't think there's a whole lot to worry about from that perspective. I suppose oilseed rape, a lot of it would be chopped anyway, you know, so that's the first thing. And then I would imagine, you know, we grow nationally about 20,000 hectares of oats every year. And a lot of that straw doesn't find its way into the market. So I'd imagine that would be the first priority that tillage farmers would look at, would be chopping the likes of, of oat and straw and oilseed rape. And then what you'd have left after that possibly would be maybe bits of wheat and, and, and that. So I don't think it's going to have a, a major impact on the straw market in a normal year. And I suppose I should say a normal year. You know, if you get a 2018 where there's a drought or something, well, well, that changes everything anyway. But in a normal year, I'd say the uh, impact will probably be quite limited. Now, the webinars are a great way of getting the message across. And uh, is this a series, Kiran, that's set to continue? Yeah, it is. I suppose, Chagas, like everybody else with, with COVID, we've had to adapt in, in the way we do our business, really. Um, you know, we would normally be in, in the side of the world in Valley Down and Smoy and the Department Farm. We're always in around this time of year with, with a winter crop walk, you know, and we've had to take that online now at this stage. Um, so what we're doing is a series of events, really. We, we will have crop walks uh, one a month um, for as long as we need to, as long as the restrictions apply, I suppose, so, also, events like the Tillage Conference are, are, are all online and webinars as well. So, you know, you can register for them on the, on the Chagas website. The next event coming up is the second half of the Tillage Conference. So that's on Wednesday the 17th. But rather than you listening out on the events barrier, I'd say people go into the Chagas website. Um, you'll get all the event details there. And also, just to mention... Um, all the events are also available on the Chagas Crops YouTube channel. So a lot of people would say, look, I was busy during the day, so they can go in in the evening and, and, and switch on the YouTube channel and, and, and watch them there. Chagas Crops Specialist, Kieran Collins. IFA President Tim Conlon said, resolving the 5% issue in the BEAM scheme will require more than the additional six-month extension which has been announced already. He said the full extent of an attitude given by the EU Commission must be outlined by the Minister for Agriculture and fully availed of. He said it appears the EU Commission is willing to give more latitude than just the six months announced. The IFA said it had been seeking a meeting with Minister McConnell Oak to establish the full scope of the response of the European Commission and to ensure it's applied to the scheme. Meanwhile, IFA Livestock Chairman Mr. Brendan Golden said this scheme is based on the losses experienced from the devaluation in sterling as a result of the Brexit vote. These losses were, he said, as real today as they'd been between September 2018 and May 2019. These monies must be protected and a key issue would be the lack of clear and concise information for farmers in monitoring their compliance levels. Mr Golden said the Department of Agriculture must provide farmers with detailed monthly updates of the actual position on their farm in meeting the target. The IFA, he noted, had consistently identified the information deficit as a critical issue for farmers in complying with the 5% BEAM scheme. Without this, key management decisions were being taken in the dark and time extensions alone would not resolve this problem. Mr Golden said farmers who have a TB breakdown, for example, or any other exceptional event on their farm, must have this treated as force majeure and the 5% requirement for being removed. Mr Golden said a speedy finalisation of this issue is vital to allow farmers to plan the year ahead and avoid any market disruption. 
This resolution must take full advantage of the autonomy now given to Minister McConlug by the EU Commission. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National President Mr Dermot Kelleher wants to see greater price transparency around sheep meat. He contended sheep farmers were not getting a fair share of the end value of their produce, and this, he said, is just as much of a problem as it is in the beef sector. ICSA, he said, wants to see a bigger and better sheep welfare scheme, for example, which would significantly increase the financial reward to sheep farmers. He said ICSA is proposing that a per year payment of €30 Euro a head is now essential. The ICSA, he said, also wants to see the Minister and Department work with the ICSA to devise a plan to make wool valuable again. On the TB eradication strategy, Mr Keller said, there are differing viewpoints that remain between the Department and Farm representatives when it comes to the objectives of the TB eradication scheme. ICSA, he said, maintains that sound strategy must be based on fair play for all farmers and a recognition that full and accurate compensation would be the essential foundation of success. On the EU biodiversity strategy, Mr Keller expressed alarm and insisted there is no more room to designate land when we still don't have proper compensation schemes for existing designations. Mr Keller said the ICSA is extremely concerned at what he called unworkable ideas in the EU strategy to have extreme restrictions on 10% of total farmland area in Europe and designations on 30%. This, he said, needs to be pulled back to some form of reality at EU level. He said the ICSA is fully supportive of increasing support for organic farming, but it can only be done in parallel with a plan to increase markets for beef and cereals in particular. Mr Kelleher said he was supportive of increased supports for tillage, but he had concerns about plans to pay tillage farmers to incorporate straw into the soil. He said we need to ensure we have adequate straw for animal welfare and as the foundations of organic farming systems. We need to look again at how we can get more land into tillage and make it profitable and at the same time we must ensure adequate straw for livestock systems. Part of a policy statement there by the ICSA National President, Mr Dermot Kelleher. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. It's the calving season and many farmers will be looking at the calf milk replacer soon if they haven't already done so. Dairy Gold's calf milk replacement specialist, Roisin O'Donnell, joins us to talk about the advantages of feeding milk replacer, the financial side of it and how costs weigh up compared to whole milk and as well as the products which are available. First, Roisin, how does milk replacer compare to whole milk? If I just give a, a quick one down, we'll say, look, milk replacer is designed to give a constant pain nutrition to cash, right? It's based off the key fundamentals of whole milk, but unlike whole milk, it, 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 it's uh, consistent. We'll say whole milk can change from day to day, but milk replacer will give a consistent balance nutrition to the calf. Milk replacer then should have a high cool protein, we'd like to say around 25% dry matter. And a milk replacer should offer the calf the same protein quality as cow's milk with a more optimum balance between protein and energy, and that's to promote uh, muscle growth and skeletal growth. The quality of protein used in milk replacer is very important, Barry. Not all proteins and um, quality is the same. The protein type must be of dairy protein that's fully digestible and available to the calf, compared to some vegetable proteins that can be used in milk replacer that are cheaper and are less digestible to calf. 
And Roisin, what are the advantages of feeding milk replacer? Look, for the, the advantages, there's a, there's a long list of them there, but I suppose the key things that stick out for people when we're talking to them is that it can solve a lot of problems such as, as labour problems on farms. It gives you great flexibility. You're not rushing in the morning to try or even try and keep milk hot for calves. You can feed them at your own time. Um, a lot of people are feeding it milk replacer then through automatic feeders. And again, look, they say they're not spending the time feeding them, but they have more time then to look after them and see how they're progressing. I suppose the last thing is what is antibiotic resistance. Um, look, if we can stop feeding away from this antibiotic milk to calves, first time when that animal gets an antibiotic then in the future if they need it you get a great response to it whether if you're after giving them antibiotics as young animals they'll build up a slight resistance and you won't get the response then further down the line when you need it from antibiotics so look try if we can move move cats over to milk suppressor it's a small thing but it might have a big impact on your herd in, in the future so look they're, they're the three main points what farmers come back with is that they highlight so that they'd be my main advantages of it there. And on the financial side of it, how do the costs weigh up compared to whole milk? Yeah, look, costs can sometimes be the first port call for when I'm talking to a farmer. But look, as I say to him, when you're feeding animals that are going to be the future of, we'll say, your dairy herd or your beef herd or however it is, these animals will be creating the income for you in two years' time or, or whenever they come off peak. Uh, look, you've done all the work, you've selected the breeding farm, you've got them on the ground, and look, You've only one chance to rear them, and you know, so like to give them the best start is most is most important. And um, so getting good quality feed instead is key. Look, this year base price of milk is good around thirty two cents. Look, most people are up maybe thirty three, thirty four, and some uh, of the maybe Jersey cows are up maybe thirty five and six cents per litre. Milk price this year is coming is coming in under the thirty cent. Like so, it, it's cheaper this year to feed calves on milk price, and in general milk compressor is, is cheap to feed so therefore I don't see why farmers would say that milk compressor is more expensive than whole milk I think when you work it back it, it always it comes in cheaper than whole milk And Roisin what do you recommend from the range of milk replacers that you have? There's a variety of systems out there look we have milk replacers to do all systems you can either go on a whey based or a skim based look our, our main brand would be the Prime Elite 23% and 25% protein that's the majority where our uh, market would be. But look, we have other brands on board there the last few years, uh, more specialised products. And every product will have a slightly different spec, slightly different additives. And then, again, based on the system, we can advise this. That's Dairy Gold's Calf Milk Replacer Specialist, Roisin O'Donnell. There's still time to submit your 2020 Sheep and Goat Census, but only online. The closing date by post was on Monday the 1st of February, with an extended line to February 15th applies for the receipt of the online returns only. An online submission is straightforward and can be done by visiting agfood.ie. Submission of a completed census is central in declaring that required stocking rates are being maintained and will facilitate the drawing down of payments under schemes like the Sheep Welfare Scheme, Basic Payment Scheme, Areas of Natural Constraint Scheme, EOS, GLOSS and others. The establishment of a national producer organisation for Irish forestry owners has been welcomed by Mr Tim Conlon, IFA President. He said the establishment of this Irish Forest Owners Group, a national producer organisation, would have an important role to play in supporting forest owners in the management of their forests, also improving market access and increasing the bargaining power of forestry owners. 
He said the IFA had advocated for many years the importance of setting up a national network of producer organisations for forest owners. Producer organisations, he said, had proven to be one of the most effective ways to create efficiency and scale in the supply of timber from small, fragmented family forests which exist in Ireland. Mr Cullinan said that many members of the Irish Forest Owners Group are also members of the IFA Farm Forestry Committee and he said the IFA looks forward to working closely with the group to deliver for forest owners. Mr Nicholas Speetman, chairman of the Irish Forest Owners, said he appreciated the support from the IFA during the formation of this national network of forest owner groups. He said Irish forest owners will focus on supporting local producer groups in the areas of timber mobilisation, afforestation, education and training, as well as looking after the appropriate needs of each group. He said a key element of that would be having a functioning licence system and to support the IFA's emergency plan to resolve the current situation. Meanwhile, IFA Farm Forestry Chairman Mr Vincent Nally said groups like Irish forest owners are critical to support the mobilisation of the farm forest resource. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Thanks to John for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thank you for listening. Farm Talk with John O'Connor with Dairy Gold Heifer Rear Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.